Okay. We have been going through uh, the book of Romans chapter 12. Uh, last week, again uh, this week, and for the next couple of weeks. And I just want to read that chapter as a beginning, and then we're going to spend time this morning on one verse, and that is Romans 12 and and verse 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being being many are one body and Messiah, and individually members of one another." Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him a drink, for in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If we can go back to the first slide. There we go. We started this last week as a response to what people normally do at January 1st. They make New Year's resolutions. This series is titled A New Life Resolution. And this morning we look specifically at Romans 12 and verse 2. Next slide, please. And the S, if you remember last week, we were going to talk about five S's in Romans 12, five S's of discipleship. The S this morning is separate. Be separate from the world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I will remind you 
that the Greek word for conformed is the same word that's used when you make a mold of something. And so what the apostle is reminding us of is the fact that we should not be molded by the world that we live in. We should not be shaped from without. No, he says we should be renewed from within, a renewing of the mind, that we may prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's a disciple's life. So I want to ask you this question. Next slide. Why are there so many decisions and so few disciples? Why do people walk the aisle on a Saturday or a Sunday and then the rest of the week they act just like they used to act before they came to faith? Why is the understanding of our life in Messiah, he being our life, why is it so misunderstood among many who claim to believe that Yeshua is their Messiah and Redeemer? Why are there so many decisions and so few disciples? Next slide. The verse here gives us a negative command. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Please notice, it doesn't say try to not be conformed to the pattern of this world. It's a very strong negative command. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Next slide. In the Greek, it's in a passive voice, which meaning which means that the world here is the subject and we are the object. Don't let the world conform you. It's written in an imperative. That means listen up. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. And finally, it's written in the present tense, but you must understand that that present tense is an ongoing, day-by-day, moment-by-moment present tense. Do not be Conformed. Do not let the world determine who you are. Do not be shaped by the media, by the television, by the commercials, or by anything that the world puts up as important. Do not be conformed by this world. Next slide. So what does it mean, basically? I believe this is what it means. Stop allowing yourselves to be molded by the influences and pressures of this present world system. Anybody allowing themselves to be influenced a little bit by the pressures and influences of this world system? If your hand's not up, you're not being truthful. And yet God says, don't be. So how in the world is that possible? Well, we sang about it this morning. He's the way maker, not Congress. By the way, I've been praying for all of you who are on furlough right now and not being paid. The government will reopen. He's the promise keeper. Not the televangelists or the president or people running for office or people in charge of the major corporations in this country. He's the light in the darkness. And we live in darkness because we live in a world that's ruled by the prince of darkness. Yet he has made a way, he has given us a light, that if we follow, we have a way out of the darkness. We are to stop allowing ourselves to be molded by the influences and pressures of this present system. Next slide. And what does it mean? Well, here's the application. 
we need to be separate from the world's values. I heard somebody go, "Mm." it's hard, isn't it? What does the world value? Money, power, prestige, good looks. We need to be separate from those values because those values are of no eternal good. We are to value what the Lord has us to value. And we read it in the rest of Romans 12 as I began the message this morning. And we'll get into some of those things in the messages that are to come. Next slide, please. First John 2, 15 to 17 says it this way. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Oh, please listen to the words of the scripture. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, next slide, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Let's think about that last sentence just for a moment. If we let the values and the goals of the world shape our very lives, we are talking about something that has a predetermined end and no eternal significance, except that it robs us of an eternal lifetime with God. And so the values of the world and its lusts, they're going to pass away along with all of creation at one time. But the one who does the will of God the disciple. How come there's so many decisions and so few disciples? The one who does the will of God lives forever. Next slide. In other words, the world's system seeks to seduce us from our love for Messiah. The world's system seeks to seduce us from our love for Messiah. And if you do not think that's true, then what you need to do is go to the internet and look up the philosophy and paradigm of advertising in this modern world and understand that it is all seduction. It is mental seduction. It is emotional seduction. It is sexual seduction. And the seducing is all to seduce us away from our love for Messiah by pleasure Possessions and position. Pleasure, possessions, and position. Don't you know you'll lead a better life if you've got a 58-inch TV instead of a 44-inch TV? Don't you know that your life will be that much better if your car is less than four years old as opposed to more than 10 years old with 250,000 miles on it? Don't you know that if you are recognized in your job or in your synagogue as being a leader, that'll make your life better? No, 
That's what the world system will tell you. And all that does is seduce us away from our Messiah. Next slide. But in this verse is also a positive command. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Greek word for transformed is the same root as the word um, metamorphosis. Be metamorphosized, something like that. It's like a cocoon where one thing goes in and something else comes out. In the life of a believer, we go into the cocoon of the life, death, and resurrection of Messiah. We go in dead. We come out alive. That's what the scripture is talking about. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Please understand here, it doesn't say by the renewal of your mind. Because renewing is an ongoing process. Renewing is an ongoing walk. Renewing is the process and the paradigm of sanctification that scripture talks about. As we become more and more molded to the image of our Messiah, but we need to do this by obeying what God's word is for our lives. Next sentence. And being transformed again, it's in the passive voice. The subject, our minds and ourselves, are being acted upon by the process of transformation. Transformation that can only come from within and that can only come from the Spirit. And again, this is an imperative. It's not a suggestion. It doesn't say allow yourself to be transformed by the Spirit on Shabbat morning and then do what you need to do the rest of the week. This is an ongoing process. It's a present tense, day by day, moment by moment experience. So next slide. Well, what does it mean? I think it says allow God to completely change your inward thinking and outward behavior by cooperating moment by moment with the renewing process and power of the Spirit. By cooperating. God does not push his way into anybody's heart. God does not push his way into anybody's lifestyle. God desires you to follow his commands, his statutes, his ordinances, but he never forces you to. This is a willing decision that we make in our hearts. And when we make the decision to allow God in, And oh, by the way, it's not just allowing God in intellectually. It's allowing God into your hurt room. It's allowing God into your flesh bank. It's allowing God into every nook and cranny that you call who you are and allow him to do, as we sang this morning, that miracle-working work, that healing work, that promise-keeping work that will allow you to be free so that your inward thinking and your outward behavior start cooperating moment by moment due to the renewing process and power of the Spirit. The Spirit of God, the Helper, was sent to us to be a transformation agent 
to remind us of things we don't understand, to remind us of things we've forgotten, to convict us of things that we need to be convicted of so that changes can take place in our life because this ongoing process has ups and downs and ups and downs, but it always must be accompanied by our allowing God in to tell us where we're at and where we need to go. It is a radical lifestyle. And the reason it's radical is because the world says we need to be in control of who we are. I don't know about anybody or any of you. I am not in control. I used to think I was until one day in the middle of the afternoon, someone walked in my office and fired me from a six-figure income for no reason. How much control did I have over that? I thought I was. Until my wife came home with a doctor with a stage three cancer diagnosis, how much control did I have over that? I thought I was until I found myself swaying back and forth because I couldn't keep my balance. I had terrible headaches. And all of a sudden came back with a diagnosis that I had a benign brain tumor in my pituitary that needed to come out. How much control did I have in that? None. We live in a dead and dying world, but we live with an eternal and alive God. And that's the God that needs to be part and parcel of who we are and what we do. That's the God who has a renewing process in us by the power of our spirit. And so what does it mean? Next slide. It means, and I ask this question, are you shaped more by the world or by the word? Isn't it amazing how one little letter can make such a big difference. Are you shaped by the world or by the word? Next slide, Matthew 4, 4. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. By the way, this is a restatement of what was written in Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, where God caused the children of Israel to hunger in the desert. Why? So that they would realize that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Next slide, 2 Corinthians three eighteen. But we all with unfailed face, unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed, there's that word again, metamorphosized, transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. And what does this mean? Well, we need to talk about the means of, trans- of transformation. And the means of transformation, next slide please, is very simply by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. Anybody ever had a computer that's all of a sudden wasn't working right? And how did you fix it? You rebooted it. I think we all maybe need a reboot. I think maybe even our congregation needs a reboot. Many of you were here very early this morning. Boy, that's funny. Very early. I mean, many of you, some of you were here at the start of service which to some of you is very early. We had a group of people stand up here and pray for the service. That's called renewing the minds. That's called transformation. 
We prayed for the building. We prayed for the Korean church. We prayed for the music team. We prayed for the dance team. We prayed for the message. We prayed for those who wouldn't come or couldn't come. We prayed for those who were sick. We prayed for those who were on the way. We set the stage for a Shabbat morning reboot by renewing our minds. And in that particular case, it was through prayer. Renewing your mind, next slide, is a continual refocus of a Romans 12.1 perspective. It's a continual refocus of a Romans 12.1 perspective. Colossians 3 verses 1 to 4 reads like this. If then you were raised with Messiah, seek those things which are above where Messiah is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your Mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Messiah in God. And when Messiah, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. By the way, I do not believe this is a future-only verse. I believe when we act in the spirit of God, when we act in the purpose of God, and when we act in the will of God, Messiah is revealed in our lives at that very time. And when he is revealed, we too will shine with him in glory as a testimony to the greatness and the love of God. Next slide. But we need to understand that renewing your mind will always involve a battle. The world doesn't want your mind renewed. The world wants your mind conformed. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Messiah. Please understand that the knowledge of God is not to know about him. The knowledge of God is to have an intimate acquaintance with him. And the world wants to take that intimacy away from the believer. The strongholds of the world want to tell you that's not important. What's important is your retirement. And I'm not saying retirement's not important. But in comparison with your relationship to God, it's nothing We are to bring every thought into captivity. That, again, doubles down on the understanding that we have choices. We are not robots. We can make a choice to do or not to do, just as we can make a choice to bring ourselves into captivity to Messiah and obedience to his word or not. Next slide. Renewing of your mind is also a supernatural work of the Spirit. Romans 8, 5 and 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How can we obtain life and peace except by the supernatural act of God? There is no other way. Renewing the mind is a supernatural act as well. Next slide. (laughs) You are what you eat. You know, in Israel, among 
the very, very orthodox in orthodox communities all over the world, when a child first learns the Torah, they usually take a slate that you write on it with chalk, and they'll write the words of the Shema, because that's the first prayer that a a child learns. And then what will happen is the rabbi will take honey and will pour it all over the slate and tell the child to lick up the words of God. We are what we eat. Next slide. So here are some practical renewal methods. This is the write-down part, unless you have good memories. Number one method, hearing God's word. Romans ten seventeen. faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Messiah. Second practical method, read God's word. Revelation 1.3, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. And heed the things that are written in it, for the time is near. Next slide. Study God's word. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Here's the problem. A lot of people don't like work because they equate it with what they're doing to get their income, to pay the rent, to buy the food, and to put gas in the car. There are some who like their work. What work is more likable than studying God's word? But it takes time and it takes diligence. But the rewards are supernatural, out of this world. And it makes us to be unashamed before God in that we accurately handle the word of God. Say that with me. Accurately handle the word of God. I'm going to say this, and I think I'm right. If I'm wrong, someone will correct me. I think there are too many pastors in the United States churches that do not accurately handle the Word of God. I think what they do is they take their own mental paradigms that they picked up from what somebody said or some book that they read, and they try to fit the Scripture into what they want to say. That is called backwards. You read the Scripture to hear what it has to say. You don't take what you want to say and then find something in Scripture to back it up. And there's all kinds of deviant theologies uh, going on around here. Uh, The latest that was reported on the Internet is that Andy Stanley now uh, claims that um, Gentile believers don't have to follow the Ten Commandments. Where did he get that one? Our Messiah was asked, what's the greatest commandment? No, no, we don't have to do those commandments as Gentile believers. We just have to love one another. Dear ones, you can't love one another unless you understand and obey God's commandments. Next slide, please. Memorize God's word. Now, some of us are really good at that, and some of us are not. I belong in the latter category. But there are still some scripture verses that cannot leave my heart. You know the best one, Galatians 2.20. 
We have been crucified with Messiah, no longer I who live, but Messiah who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. And we're not just talking about John 3.16. No, we're talking about things like Leviticus 17.11. Why is that an important verse to remember? It is a testimony and an evangelical verse to speak with Jewish friends who don't believe about the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for the blood makes atonement for your souls. Or how about Jeremiah? Behold, I make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with your forefathers, a covenant which they broke, Though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. No, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days. I will write it on their hearts and on their minds, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. No more will people say, know the Lord, for they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquities and their sins. I will remember no war. Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Next slide. Meditate on God's word. Now, I'm not talking about sitting in a lotus position, putting your fingers like that and going, hmm. I'm talking about prayer with the Lord, asking him, what does this mean, God? Joshua 1.8. Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. The Hebrew word here for meditate is the same word as used for chew, like an animal that chews its, its food, or a cow who chews its cud. I've used this example before. Does anybody know how a cow eats? Chews it, swallows it, regurgitates it. Chews it, swallows it, regurgitates it. Would it shock you to say, for me, if I said that that's the way you need to read scripture? Chew it, take it in, think about it, bring it back up and look at it again. Chew it. Now it's even more tasty because you understand a little bit more about it. Take it in. Pray to God, what does this mean? Wait a minute, God. Bring it back up. He'll bring another thought to your mind. That's what meditation is called. It is a prosperous exercise. It is a successful exercise. And it's a spiritually pleasing exercise. Because I don't know about you, but when God speaks to me about something I didn't understand before, when I've spent time asking him for understanding, I get excited. I get happy. Because I know I'm spending time in his word, and I'm spending it profitably. And next slide, what is transformation's purpose? It's to get, get God's best so that you may test by experience that God's will is, next slide, good, pleasing, and perfect. Will you say those words with me? God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. Next slide. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Dear ones, 
Next slide. On this Shabbat, may we all make a commitment to be separate from the world and separated unto God. Shabbat Shalom.